And see, when you're looking for an opportunity, right? You're looking for an opportunity. It's like, Lord, give me an opportunity. Let me share. Give me an opportunity. And see, when you're always about Jesus, that isn't a problem. But when you add a little Jesus to your life, then you don't live that way. See, Daniel was always about God, wasn't he? Always. He always was praying. He was always, that was, that was who he was. I mean, in other words, he was becoming who he already was. He, he had already become righteous. God said, you know what? By faith, you have come to me and this, this, this. And so he continued to live and breathe and have his very being and have his very actions and his priorities based in who he is in God. So when life bumped into him, it was what was inside already that what? Spilled out. Right? There's the difference. And so, of course, he's always praying for an opportunity and asking this, this. And then what is God? And then so God goes, here you go, here you go. here Because he, he's not a fake. Because that's how he's living. And so, of course, what's going to spill out of him is, is God. Right? That's going to spill out of him. That, so you need to ask yourself, if, if God isn't spilling out of you, why isn't he? Why isn't he? The other day... Tori says to me, Tori, Tori says to me, this is classic, she's my 8th grader, um, she says, Mom, do you ever talk about anything other than God? <laughs> and I said, well, like mention whatever. She goes, well, even if we're talking about school or girlfriends or this and this, this, it always comes back to what God thinks about it. And I said, because that's what life is. Because we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. She goes, okay. All right, I'm just wondering because, you know, I, I don't ever see anything tied into anything other than it's tied into God. And I said, that's the only way that we are to live. I said, and so, um, is that, is that, does that bother you? And she says, yeah, at times it's convicting. And I said, mm, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I pray conviction on you all the time. <laughs> I, I pray that you're pricked by that conscience all the time I pray that you have enough trouble in your life and that you are caught in this list all the time I pray that heaping coals on your head of that conviction all the time all the time Tori you know why? she goes yeah because God loves me and he has a plan for me I said that's right and he doesn't want you to deter from it so you know I mean it, you know good that's a good good thing that's a good good thing right? what else about Daniel? Anything else about Daniel? What, what, what was he? He was a what? Was he a priest? No. Was he a prophet? He was a prophet. Daniel was a prophet, right? Prophet mean he prophet means the Holy Spirit came upon him and he would foretell, right? Okay, he was a prophet. What else? What about else about Daniel? So do you want to just find out some more about him? Okay, you guys are looking at me like you have dough in headlights. All right, all right, just tell me, just tell me. All right, all right. Let's open up to Daniel one one. Okay, and uh, we're going to read just uh, the first chapter of Daniel, and then I'm going to go back, and I'm going to share. Uh, I'm going to share what was going on prior to Daniel one one. Okay, because. Daniel, you know, Daniel 1 verse 1 just starts out, okay, that here it is with Nebi, King Nebuchadnezzar, Nebi from VeggieTales, King Nebuchadnezzar, and then what happens is, is, is you think, oh, okay, here we go, here, here's the story, but you need to know before the story what was going on uh, in Daniel's life, okay, so let's look at Daniel 1, 1, I'll just read it aloud, you guys follow with me, we're going to read the first chapter. Now, the first, let me just stop for a minute, the first, um, 
The first chapter of Daniel is an introductory chapter. Then, then uh, through chapter 6, it is historical. And then the other ones are the apocalyptic or the foretelling, the ones that go with revelation, okay, of what's going to happen in the future, all right? So uh, this is an introductory chapter in Daniel, uh, written in about 530 B.C. That would be 6th century B.C. So Daniel's training in Babylon, it says, right? In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And every time I think of Nebuchadnezzar, you know, you know I was a VeggieTale freak with my kids. So those were really popular. One's in college, one's in eighth grade, and those were really popular then. All like, does anybody like visualize who Nebuchadnezzar looks like? Yes, exactly. It's like, oh, all right, that Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, great big puffy, right? King Nebi, I think they called him, right? Nebi? No, no, he wasn't a vegetable, honey. The the Christians, Daniel, Meshach, Bendigo, you know, those guys were vegetables. <laughs> Okay. All right. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. What's it? What does that mean, guys? Besieged it. Took over. Took over. Right. Took over. Not necessarily a war, but. Like surrender. It's like, you know, I'm bigger than you are, sort of bully-like. I'm bigger than you are, and so I besiege you, okay? And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Okay, small g, his God. Is that Yahweh God? No, that is Marduk. M-A-R-D-U-K, Marduk. He's idol God, okay? He's an idol God. And um, we'll look back after I read this, back in Isaiah, and, and see about that. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. So were they the creme de la creme? Yeah. I mean, they're coming from the royal palace, Jerusalem, right? Without defect. Wow. I mean, these guys must have been studs, right? And so, and so here they are, right? Without defect, not only physically, mentally, emotionally, the whole bit, okay? So here they are without defect. Handsome, showing up to very kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. I mean, really, the king's not going to pick the dregs of the world, is he? Oh, you know what? I think I'm going to pick this guy who doesn't think well, who's made wrong choices. Who, you know, I mean, he's, he's not going to do that. He's going he's to pick the crumb. So... Uh, let's go on. He was, uh, let's see, he was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. So now they're on probation, right? They've got a three-year probationary period trying to uh, be like the king here. Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Okay. Now, the reason he did that is because their names prior meant, you know, God will judge. In other words, Daniel meant God will judge. Meshach means, you know, if, if you look in your, um, in your concordance kind of stuff, it will tell you these were all godly names that were given to 
to them. And so upon besieging Jerusalem and getting these top top dog guys, he's not going to keep those names that he knows mean this. So he changes them to other names that actually mean um, like worshiping his gods. Okay, so he changes them to other names to like to give homage to his small g gods. All right, so but is God still in the midst of this, or are or is like that's it? Forget it. Now their names are changed, and that's it. No, right, right. Remember the theme of Daniel is what God is in control. God is in control. No matter if you do not see it or not, God is in control. He is sovereign. He is over everything. He is ruler. He is king of kings. No one can thwart him. No one can do anything. He will show himself. He will do what he does, when he does, with who he wants, etc. Period. That should be the most comforting thing that you've heard all day long. Right? Because he's just as in control now as he was in Daniel's time. So remember, Daniel and these guys who were worshiping God, Yahweh God, right, are besieged, taken out, and now what? Now they're with King Nebuchadnezzar, and he even changes his, their names. So they're taken from their, not only are they taken from their homes, from their families, from their, from their um, cities, right? But, but their name, their very name is taken from their, their name that means the God who will judge. The God who, I mean, look at that, right? But then God is in control. And you'll see that throughout all of Daniel. I'm in control. I will do what I want, when I want, how I want, because I know the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. Right? He doesn't sit up there and go, oh, now what am I going to do? Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, are you kidding me? He's God, and we're not. And so he lets this all play out for our good and what? And his glory. Okay? So, now their names are changed, and their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But, Daniel, verse 8, resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. Don't you love that God, excuse me, that Daniel had already resolved. What does that mean? Resolved. He had already decided beforehand. He didn't get there and go, oh, you know what, that looks sort of good. Oh, that meat looks yummy. Oh, you know what, just this one isn't going to matter. Just this one taste isn't going to matter. Right? He didn't, re- he didn't do that. He resolved. He made the decision beforehand. That's how he was living, moment by moment by moment. As an overcomer, that's what we're going to learn at retreat, how to live as an overcomer because take heart, Jesus has overcome the world. So we are an overcomer. So he had already resolved. Ladies, how are you doing on that? You need to resolve before the temptation is put right in front of you. It needs to be, you know what? Jesus won the battle with not my, not my will but yours be done, Father, in his prayer closet. He won that in the Garden of Gethsemane. He resolved that he would go to the cross. But for the glory set before me, I endured the cross. Right? He resolved. That's inner man. That's not getting up to the temptation and going, because you're going to lose. You're going to lose every time. Because you're going to build your flesh up, you're going, to feed your, you're going to feed your old dog, and guess what happens to the new dog? Dies. Starts dying. Gets this big. 
this big in you. And then the Holy Spirit is grieved. And then you wonder why you keep doing bad things. Why you keep giving it temptation. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. And isn't that the best? He goes and he submits to authority. Authority that has every right to tell him, uh-uh, you got to do this. We're over you. We're a vassal over you. That means you're subordinate to me. Therefore, you need to do this. And Daniel, is he trusting the, the person in authority over him or is he trusting the authority? <laughs> He's trusting the authority. Ladies, that's where the rubber meets the road. Right? You trust the authority. You don't trust what it looks like on the scene. You trust the unseen. You trust the unseen. So he goes to him and he says, All right, I, uh, I need to ask you permission not to defile myself this way. And what is the next verse say? Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. <laughs> Holy Spirit already been on the scene. <laughs> oh, this is going to happen. Right, right. Already been on the scene. Already had gone and changed this guy's heart. This guy doesn't know God. This guy loves Marduk. Right? He doesn't know the real God. But can God work through anybody? Yes. And then he shows his glory. And so he had already said... Uh, he'd already gone. It says, Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. See, God is the one who initiates, ladies. He initiates. The way that you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, personally, passionately, powerfully, preeminently now over your life, is because He went after you. He's the hound of heaven. He loves you. He doesn't want you to perish. He initiates. He's always going, I'm here. See me here? I'm over here. This is how I am. Watch. I'm over here. You can see me in all of creation. See me? See me? I love you. See? He's always going after you. That's how you come to Christ because He is. it's through His revelation revelation that you went you didn't sit there and go well yeah yeah you know the pros and cons are this so yeah well try it out that's not how you come to Jesus it's the revelation once you're blind then you see then you see and then your your scales fall off your eyes right and then you realize that now you want to live for him and you continue to walk in that path right and so when he says, now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel, you have to realize God initiated that. And Daniel knows who God is and knows that he will go before him, no matter what it looks like. So whatever your circumstance you're in right now, whatever it looks like, and it could be pretty dismal, guess what? He's already on the scene before you are. He's already going before you. He always initiates, then he always prepares the way. He doesn't just go and initiate it, then he makes the path straight. He prepares the way. He continues to prepare the way, and from that then, he does it. So he initiates, he prepares the way, and then he does it. That's how to walk in the joy of the journey. Whether you're Daniel, and your whole life has been just topsy-turvy, and you still trust, or... You're Margot, and you live in Oconomoc right now, and this is how your life is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It matters in whom you trust. It matters in whom you trust. So he says, now, the God had, now, now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have what? 
my head, right? Off with the head. Then they would have my head because of you. Now, look what Daniel says to him. Okay, so now he shows him favor, but now he shares his heart. He says, you know what, I'm a little afraid about this because, you know, if you're starting to look like a little measly dude, I'm in big trouble. And so Daniel then said to the guard, which the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days. And ten in, the, in, in, in um, Hebrew means, um, means complete. Means complete, okay? So for ten days, uh, let's see, for ten days, give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. What do you think happened? (laughs) They were still the stud muffins, right? Okay. At the end of the 10 days, they not only look good, what does it say? They look better. They looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. Okay, I love God. Uh, that would be my glory. Uh, don't have any vain glory in this. That would be my glory because I'm the sustainer. I'm the one who does it. I'm the one who you know. I'm the one who keeps you. I'm the one who keeps your heart beating. I'm the one who right. That's who he is. And when you give it over to him, and you're like, you know what? I am a dependent creature on you, and I only want to serve you the rest of my life. Guess what he does? Is he going to go? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. No. That's not who he is. And Daniel knew who God was. He knew him. He knew him intimately. He knew him personally. He knew him passionately. And he knew him powerfully. And he was preeminent over his life. He knew him. And he knew that he knew that this is who he is. And he was like, go ahead. Go ahead and test it. Go ahead and test it and see what happens. And, and remember what happened with the royal food. The royal food, the meats of the royal food would be from a sacrificial animal that was given to Marduk. Marduk, who is the, you know, the, the idol, the antithesis of who Yahweh God is. Okay, So they had been offered to idols. And then the wine had been poured out as a sacrifice as well to one of the moon gods, sun gods, all those different gods. All right? So they had, th- those foods had been used inappropriately and Daniel wanted to keep himself what? Pure. Pure. Pure, okay? So. You know, Margo, those guys eat all that food and all that alcohol, they probably all had gout. <laughs> well, there you go. And that's how gout got started in the book of Daniel. But uh, don't quote me. <laughs> that was good. All right. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine. I'm in verse 16. They were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Who gave them that? God did. God did. God did. He he gave them that gift. Who gives you your gifts? God does, right? Who gives you your gifts? Don't don't ever take you know take um, what's the word like credit take take credit for how you're gifted he's gifted you he's gifted you you're made in the image of him he's gifted you in those areas and guess what use them for his glory use them he's gifted and so he says to these four young men God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds at the end of the time set by the king to bring them in the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar and imagine how he felt yeah yeah look and meanwhile it's like and they've only been eating veggies 
say great. See, VeggieTales comes back in. All right. All right. Yeah, right, Kristen. And a couple Saruji bars, I'm sure. Okay. All right. Um, at the end of time, set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal. Okay, there were others, you know, when they besieged Jerusalem that they picked that were, you know, top dog guys too, right? But they found none equal. Underline that. They found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, every matter, not some, not 90%, not 99%, every matter, everything that was questioned of them. Because why? Who was working in Daniel? God, the Holy Spirit. Remember the Holy Spirit, how he worked in the Old Testament. If Pam is a prophet and Pam is a priest, (laughs) okay, somehow I'm getting, Pam and Pam and (laughs) priest, and Val is a king, okay, and they had stuff that they needed to do that God wanted them to do, the Holy Spirit would come upon them individually and they would do the work of the Lord, okay? That comes from Jonah, a message from the Lord. Okay, he would come and do a, an absolute, incredible, mighty, supernatural work because it's God the Holy Spirit who comes upon it. And God the Holy Spirit now lives where? In us. In us, in us right? Because Jesus, when he, he left us, when he wonderfully ascended, he said, I'll send you another comforter, right, who will bring you into all truth. Right? But he first had to leave because it was the Spirit of Christ who was the Holy Spirit who then came to live in us when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. That we know that we know that He died for my sin. Didn't need any of your sin, just mine. And that kept him on the cross. And I believe that and I ask forgiveness and I'm entered into the throne room. I'm already seated already in the heavenlies with him because of what he did for me on the cross. Yeah. Wow. The best way, the best way to live. So at the end of the time, okay, so in, in every matter of wisdom, I'm in verse 20, about which the king questioned them, he found them how many times better? Ten, Ten times. That's the, that's the number of completeness, too. Ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Oh, anyway, Daniel. You guys... Aren't you excited about like being in heaven? Like, and I mean, after the first couple million trillion years, you know, just go by like this with Jesus, and then you get to talk, Daniel. I mean, really? You know, I mean, tell me. I mean, that you know, and 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 hearing all the incredible faith stories because it's by faith. Right? Like Hebrews 11 says, it's by faith that Daniel, by faith Abraham, by faith Sarah, by faith Moses, right? By faith. Right? Don't you want to be in that book? By faith, Margot. By faith, Celeste. Right? Isn't that what it is? We are walk by faith, no matter if it's Old Testament faith, where you believe that this is the way that um, we are to walk before him. We believe in Yahweh God. We believe you're the creator of the heavens and the earth. And we believe beyond all belief that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Prior to, pre- to, prior to incarnate Jesus. Because you know in the Old Testament, whenever you read the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, when we get to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, it says, and the angel of the Lord. Who is that? Jesus. It's pre-incarnate Jesus. Jesus always was, always is, always will be. And so, and so they came to faith, they came to God, excuse me, through faith. 
And they realized that they had to do the sacrificial system. They realized that without the shedding of blood, it says in Hebrews, there's no remission, there's no forgiveness of sin. So at that point, they had to do it the way God said. You want your sin to be forgiven? Then you have to have a perfect, a spotless lamb, oxen, partridge, whatever that animal was needing to give the sacrifice for them. The innocent, innocent animal that, that, that God then looked at that animal and covered us saying, okay, that's the atonement for their sin and I'm imputing to them righteousness. Righteousness. Righteousness because that animal has taken that sin for me. That's how you knew that they were walking by faith and not by sight because these were God's laws and they said, okay, that's how we're going to live. And then Jesus came once for all, it says, right? Once for all to die on the cross for our sins, so no more. So there is no need anymore of sacrifice of, of animals to be able to give their lives for what we really should have had to give our life for. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that the sweetest? Okay, now I want you to open up to Isaiah. I want you to go back for a minute to Isaiah 45. Because I want you to see that... Um, in the beginning, in this third year of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, back at 1, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem, besieged it. The Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. God, our God, Yahweh God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Okay, now, first of all, let me just share something with you. The reason... Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand was because they were doing naughty things. Okay, Judah was disobeying God's word regarding covenant-keeping the Sabbath and idolatry. They were already starting to um, worship idols. So God goes, no, no, no. Uh, This is another wake-up call. I want you to look at me. This is a wake-up call. And so we're going to have to go through coming back to the circle of blessings. So we're going to have to go out and rescue you coming in. So he allowed them to be besieged. Okay. Now, I want you to look at this little map. Okay. I'm going to run off. I have, they're going to do it at the Y here for me. I have maps for you and then the chronological because you're really going to need to follow this. All right. This is the map then uh, of the world. Okay. Now, this is a blow up of this little tiny yellow section there. Do you see that? Okay, because this is Israel, which is the northern kingdom. Here's Jerusalem. And here's the southern kingdom, which is Judah. All right, and this is the blow-up of this little tiny nation right here. Little tiny nation that's been God's chosen people for (laughs) eons. And there's always been unrest, hasn't there? Always been unrest. But you better not go against Israel. Because it's God's chosen people. You better not go against him. All right. So here we have Persia, Assyria, and Babylon. Okay, and Judah and and Israel were the buffer kingdoms. Okay, of the buffer nations of these. These guys were always warring, always besieging. You know, the Assyrians, the Babylonians. They were always going after everybody, going after everybody, trying to you know trying to be the big shots, trying to take over. I mean, it was it, nothing. I mean, just when there would be quote unquote peace. Oh, you can't get me. I'm going to get you. And then they go and they go back and forth. It'd be, it'd be like they were lobbying back and forth. You know, who's going to who's going to win? Who's going to besiege? All right. So there was always unrest in Persia, Syria, and Babylon. Now Nineveh. You guys remember Nineveh? Okay. Nineveh is what? We talked about that, right? Did we talked about Nineveh last week or no? No. Okay. Nineveh. Nineveh is what? The, what happened in Nineveh? I should say. 
Jonah, excellent. VeggieTales woman there. All right, excellent. Jonah. Jonah was to go to where? Nineveh. And what was he supposed to tell them? A message from the Lord. Okay, right. And what was he and what was he telling them? Repent. repent. Excellent, Chris. He was telling them you need to repent. All right. Nineveh was Jonah happened in the 750 BC. So that would be before Daniel even. Are you following me? So um, I think it was you that said, you know, no, Pam, it was you that that um, they would they would say, oh, okay, I'm not going to do it that way anymore. I'm going to follow, and then they go right back to their old ways, right? Right back to their old ways. Okay, same thing, same exact thing. Look at seven. It was 750 BC, and now we're up to like 530 BC with Daniel. And here's Nineveh. And remember the things that were going on. What's happening with Daniel? We learned last week, like um, in Mexico, the Mayan. Um, Indian uh, was coming to fame, remember? Um, Buddha and Confucius lived during that time, remember? All these things that were going on. Okay, these are real events. Daniel, real event. And remember, they thought, oh, Daniel couldn't possibly be written in 530 BC because it, it tells everything perfectly before it was done. That can't be. So therefore, Daniel couldn't have been written by Daniel, but we found out even through Jesus in Matthew when he did this Olivet Discourse, he said, um, Daniel wrote Daniel, where it says the abomination uh, uh, to desolation, which we'll learn later on. Okay, I mean, I mean, so Daniel has been shot at for a long, long time because it's the most, um, most fulfilled prophecies of any book of the Bible is in Daniel. And so of course it's going to be shot at. Okay, so here it is at this time. Israel and Judah are here. King Nebi, Babylon, right? And they're going back and forth all the time. And so, and so get, your hand, get your head around this, all right? Now, go to Isaiah 45. Are you guys there? Because I didn't turn there yet. Okay, I'm getting there. Isaiah 48, 45, all right. Now, if you remember... Oh, yeah, I should have kept my, my little hand in Daniel. If you remember at the end of Daniel 1.1, I had just, it had ended with this. And Daniel remained there until the first year of who? King King Cyrus. Okay, let's go back to Isaiah 45. King Cyrus, okay? 45, let's see. Uh, 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 uh. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus. Okay, now don't you find that odd? Okay, it says, the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of, to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armor, to open doors before him, last my place, and um, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. I will go, who's speaking here? Right, the capital L-O-R-D. Okay, Lord. Okay, that means Yahweh. That means personal name. When you see capital, all caps, that's personal name. That's Jehovah Yahweh. That, that, that the Israelites, that the Hebrews would not even utter from their mouth because it was so holy, they could only write it. And when they wrote it, they had to throw the pencil away or whatever it was with the parchment. They had to throw it away because it was so holy. Y-H-W-H. And every time you see... The Lord said, L-O-R-D, that's who we're talking about. Every t- you should go, oh, okay, personal, personal Lord who's speaking personal words out, all right? 
This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of, to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armor, to open doors before him so that gates will not shut. I will go before you and will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that what? I am the capital L-O-R-D. Okay? The God of Israel who summons you by name. For the sake of Jacob, my servant of Israel, my, my chosen, I summon you by name and bestow on you a title of honor, though you do not acknowledge me. Okay, you following this? Okay, back up. That you may know in verse, um, verse 3 that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. For the sake of Jacob, my servant of Israel, my chosen, I summon you by name and bestow on you a title of honor, though you do not acknowledge me. Can God work through anybody? I'm Lord. I'm capital L-O-R-D. And guess what? I have chosen you, Cyrus, and you don't even acknowledge me. Because he chose him to do what? His work, his purpose, his what? And he will continue to go on and go on and go on and go on. And you'll see what happens, okay? So when you say, oh, no, 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 that can't possibly be. God can't be in this. He's in it all. Because he's the one who is allowing it to happen. He is the one who is either allowing or making it happen. And so even though Cyrus did not acknowledge him, God allowed Cyrus to be in a place of authority so that God could show his glory in and through himself. Don't you find that amazing? Okay, so I just want you to realize, we're in an election year. It looks, it looks really horrible. Okay? But guess what? Guess what? Even if that person doesn't acknowledge him, guess what? God's in control. And that is the theme of Daniel. He is in control. He will always be in control. He didn't, you know, he didn't slip up ever. He absolutely has the son. Actually, let's go on and read what he says. I am the Lord, capital L-O-R-D in verse 5, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me. Huh? I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, men may know there is none besides me. Why does he acknowledge? I mean, why does he? Um, why is he strengthening him, even though he doesn't acknowledge him? That's excellent. Say that louder, Doris. That's right, because he's going to use him, even though he doesn't acknowledge him, for his glory. He says, I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, okay, that's like everywhere, right? Okay, everywhere, men may know there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light, create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. You heavens above, rain down righteousness. Let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness grow with it. I, the Lord, have created it. Oh, huh? Is there an amen there? I mean, please. He is always, right? He's always in control. He is always. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Guess what? He will use who he wants, when he wants, how he wants, for what Doris just said, and the Word of God confirms, his glory. His glory. Because it might take a bit of 
wake-up call for the people to go, oh, we got to look to God. We got to look. Maybe there is a God. We got to look. You, you see what he's doing? He's always rounding up. He's always rounding up. So people will come to know him. And so he uses somehow, some way, people that you would go, right? So that his glory may be seen. See, when, you, when we get into Revelation back and forth with Daniel, there are the seven churches that, that um, the letters are written and opened the seven churches. And, and the one church that grew the most was the church that was the most persecuted. That was the most persecuted. You know why? Why? Because they again? They were honoring God. That's right. They were doing what God asked them to do. Exactly. They were being persecuted. They were honoring and obeying exactly what they were supposed to do. And guess what? God receives the glory. And people watch, people watch, people watch. And then a whole revival starts. A whole revival starts. That's what happens. That's what happens. Whether it's Cyrus, whether it's this, it doesn't make any difference. That's what happens. Yes. Who aren't even believers. Amen. To lead you to him. Amen. Because he's L-O-R-D. <laughs> right? He's Lord. He's Lord. And and he you know, he keeps it all going. He knows the end from the beginning. We got that little tiny snapshot. It needs to be done this way. I see this. This is how it should be done. Crazy lady needs to be away from my... That crazy lady is no good. Right? I mean, right? Meanwhile, he's like, I got it, Doris. I got it. Really. Just keep giving it to me. Just keep praying because you guys... You're going to find out through Daniel, prayer is the work. If you're not a prayer warrior now, you're going to become one by the end of Daniel. I promise you, prayer is the work. Prayer moves mountains or makes a mountain come to you, right? Or you just pop right over it. Prayer is the work. When we pray, God works. When we work, we work. I'm telling you, prayer is the first, the second, the third, the last thing. Look look in Doris's life. It might not have been in her timing. I'm sure it wasn't. But it was in God's timing. He was even bringing the mentor's brother, to um, the uh, crazy lady's brother to Christ. See, he's, he's got it all. He's got it all. But she didn't trust in the crazy lady and everybody. She trusted in the one with the crazy lady. Right? You trust in him. Right? Who knows the crazy lady inside and out. Right? Right? You don't trust what it looks like. You trust in the unseen. That's him. That's L-O-R-D. He's in control. He is in control. Period. Whatever you have going on in your life right now, it has been allowed in your life for his, for your good and his glory. If you don't believe it, he's going to bring it around again. He's going to bring it around again. He's going to bring it around again because he loves you so much that he doesn't want you to stay where you are. And you need to thank him for it. That's right. That's right. It's true. It's absolutely true. That's where you continue to pray. Don't be anxious for anything. I am sure that became your prayer. Lord, I'm not going to be anxious for anything, but in everything in what? Prayer and petition, you make your what? Request known unto him. And then what happens? Right? With thanksgiving. And then the peace that what? Surpasses all human understanding, guards your heart and your mind. And you stand on that. And you walk in that, even though it looks pretty yucky. That's who he is. And that's who he always will be. And, I, and, and Doris, in the midst of it, would be crying out, crying out. And now Doris is on the other end of this, going, look at you. 
Look how my faith has grown up. Look at what you've done, Lord. Look at who you proved yourself to be. You always will. But see, in the midst of it is where you need to keep on. Because then you can look back and go, oh yeah, oh, that's who you are, Lord. That's who you are. And that's what Daniel's all about. Daniel is a book of encouragement. The whole book of Daniel is a book of encouragement for those who want to be assured that God is in control. Who doesn't want to be assured of that? I don't know about you in 2012, but I want to be assured. Just like Daniel was assured then, I want to be assured now that he's in control. And it's a whole book of encouragement to be assured that he's in control. And Daniel is born out of a time of uncertainty, out of, out of trial, out of tribulation. You can see how it started in Daniel 1.1. Uh, because because the besieging was going on all over, okay? And, and here is our little Daniel, a young guy, right? 13, 14 years old. Like I mentioned, taken from his home, taken from cap- into captivity, taken from his city, taken from his families, and now put into this, you know, and changed his name on top of it. They changed his name and put into this dire situation, okay? But by trusting God, knowing that he is in control, Daniel, along with his obedient friends, Shackrack and Benny, right? They totally, VeggieTales, Shackrack and Benny, they totally were able to become rulers of kingdoms in Babylon and Persia. Do you see God's big plan? Do you see his big plan? Okay, do you think that they knew that when they were taken captive? That they were going to be rulers and, and uh, with this? I mean, you know, they were still there and taken away, but things were added, like Joseph. Do they think that, they, oh yeah, this will be fine. This will be fine. Yeah, this is what's going to happen. No. 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 They just trusted in the one who they knew. And it made their path straight. It made their path straight, okay? And so the total underlying message of Daniel is God's in control and the nations are subject to the will of God. Don't you love that? The nations are subject to the will of God. You might be looking around and the Middle East is burning and this is going on and fires are burning and California, I mean, burning. But guess what? The nations are subject to the will of God. They're subject to the will of God because He's Yahweh God. And, and they're not subject to the will of man. And God will preserve his people through trouble. We have seen it all the way through the Old Testament. We see it all the way in the New Testament. You see it now. He will preserve his people. He will continue to preserve his people all the way through. Right? What we need to do is learn how to recklessly abandon ourselves to him. Right? To the one who can be trusted. I've, I've shared this story before, but it bears repeating. When Becca was three, three, three and a half years old at the old Y, the cave, anybody ever work out at the cave? The old Y? Oh my goodness, there wasn't a window in the joint. All right? Except in the swimming area. Uh, and Becca was learning to swim. And then it's funny because Becca went to Lake Country Lutheran High School her first year. That was their school. They made it into a school. And right where her classes were was where she learned to swim. They just like put the floor right over the swimming pool. Right? She's like, oh, that's where I learned to swim down there, Mom. I'm like, great. So she's in the swimming. And the first three times, um, the lady's teaching everybody. Everybody else is, you know, doing what the lady tells her to do and everything. And, and Becca just sits on the side and watches and just continues to watch. And, and um, the lady comes over to me after the first three lessons, and you know she's probably thinking this lady's paying good money, and her kid won't even jump in. And um, and she goes, um, uh, "Your daughter doesn't seem to want to join." And I said, mm, uh, "Yeah, but she's watching. She's she's figuring out. She'll be all right. She'll be all right." And um, 
Becca's more like analytical, logical. This, you know, like I first look at this kind of thing, and she's sort of visionary that way. So I remember, I remember saying, "Okay, well, you know what? I'll, I'll go in with her after class because you couldn't go in with class." And I said, "So how about if I come in with you this time back?" Okay, okay, good, mom. So now I'm in with her, and now she's like, and I said, "So let's try this." And I'm a, uh, I love to swim. I grew up swimming and on the lake, and and um, I said, "Well, let's try this." And so of course, then she would do all this, and she'd lay, and I'd hold her. She said, "Don't, don't let go, mom. Don't let go." Don't let go, Mom. You know, when I got my hands here, I'm like, oh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm right here. Pretty soon she's, you know, going so fast that I can't keep up with her in the water. And she just takes off and she turns around. She goes, oh, look, Mom, I can swim. I can swim. You know why she could? Because she trusted me. She trusted me. So she could recklessly abandon to the properties of the water. She didn't trust that lady. Not that the lady wasn't trustworthy, but she personally didn't trust her because she didn't know her. See, You'll trust someone that you know, that you know, won't let you down. With the hard stuff. And when I got in with her, and she could trust me, she could then let the chemical properties of the water that God had created hold her up. Hold her up. Because she trusted in the one who was trustworthy. See, that's what we need to live. We need to live. He's in the water with you. How well do you know him? Do you know him well enough to trust him? Because you know what? If you're not trusting him, you don't know him well enough. You don't know him well enough. You've got to get to know him more. Because the more you know him as your savior, as your shepherd, as your you know, keeper, as the lover of your soul, as you know, the God who will provide, as the banner over me is love, all of his names, the more you get to know him, the more you get to know him, the more you're infused, and where you know, he starts and you stop, you can't tell the difference anymore, you know that you know there's no one else that you would trust your life to other than him. Right? But you've got to get to know him. He wants to know you. You've got to get to know him. It's that you got to work out your salvation as he's working in you. It's both. It's both. It's that non-negotiable face-to-face time with him that you spend with him. That you're being changed before a mighty God. See, Daniel was already living that. Daniel was already living that before Daniel 1-1 happened. See, so when God's eyes go to and fro the earth, which I share all the time in Second Chronicles, he goes, I'm looking for a heart that's, you know, loyal to me. I choose you for this. I chose Mary. How is my son? I choose Daniel. I choose Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego, because, you know, I'm going to show my glory. Because their ready to heart matches my fullness of time. Bam. There it is. Don't you want to be one of the ones that the Lord goes, there she is. Yep, for this purpose, for this time, absolutely, I'm trusting you. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it's easy, but it means that you can fall back into that water because you can recklessly abandon the fact that you trust him no matter what. No matter what. No matter what the scene looks like, you're going to trust the unseen even more. Because when you look at water, there's no way that you think that's going to hold you up. You're like... Uh-uh. <laughs> it's not like this. Uh-uh. I mean, it's like, ooh, my hand goes right in it. I mean, mm-mm. That, that, this will hold me up. This is solid. Water, not so much. That is liquid. That shouldn't hold me up. It does. But not until you recklessly abandon yourself to the properties of it. Do you know that? It's the same thing with God. Same thing with God. 
It's the unseen. I trust you, no matter what it looks like. I trust you, even though the crazy lady and my son are dating. I trust you. Then who changes? You do. You do. And everybody goes, that's not normal, Doris. And they start watching Doris, and they start following Doris, and Doris leads them right to the throne. That's evangelism. And you take them right to the throne. Daniel is a total book of encouragement, of knowing that God is on his throne and he will not be thwarted, as we just went through Isaiah 45, and he will continue to reign no matter what it looks like. It's if you want to trust that or not. It's if you want to trust or not. Do you know we're going to learn in Daniel that he will reveal specifics of his, um, uh, let me read this exactly, of his plans. God prepares and encourages his people for the future. Daniel confirms the identity of Jesus Christ as Messiah by foretelling the exact month and year of Messiah's death and the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple following. Do you think that might be why Daniel gets prodded all the time? The critics are saying that couldn't possibly be. The book of Daniel lays the groundwork for the return of the Messiah, the return of Jesus, detailing events that will take place in the end of days leading to the return of the Messiah. And of course, all the critics, remember, all the intelligentsia, right, all the academia said, oh no, no, we need to all get together. That couldn't possibly be written in 530 B.C. That was written in like 175 B.C., like before that, because there was the Maccabean Wars and this, this, this. It couldn't possibly have happened because it all came true. Uh, they forgot the supernatural they forgot the Holy Spirit right but you know the intelligentsia right well if we all agree then it must be true you ever been with anybody like that I mean the facts are right here and here it is but if we all agree then this must be true it's not true (laughs) this is what this is absolutely what it was and so um, and so as you look at Daniel the the first um it is written in two languages. Does anybody know the two languages it's written in? It's written in Hebrew, the first one, right? Hebrew, okay. Which is Aramaic. excellent, Aramaic. And it's written in Aramaic. Aramaic was the language of, uh, was the common language in Persia, Assyria, and Babylon. Okay? Actually, in this whole, na- in the whole area. Aramaic was the most spoken common language in this whole then known world area. <coughs> Okay, so the first, uh, the first books of, of, of I should say the first chapters of Daniel. Uh, this is how we divide them up. I'm sorry. This is how it's written. Hebrew is used in Daniel one one all the way through Daniel two verse four, and then you kick over to Daniel eight through twelve because that's the apocalyptic. Okay, so that's Hebrews. That that's written in Hebrew because it's written, you know, about his chosen people. Okay, so it's written in Hebrew. Other than that, it's all written in Aramaic, which then disputed all the critics because that was the then-known language then, and, and, and it was written in the common language so everyone could understand. All right? And so, and so they had a hard time refuting that, okay? It said, Aramaic, in fact, was the common language in the 6th century B.C., not during the Maccabean period, 166 B.C., where Greek became the common language. Okay, so that refuted all their little critics of saying that. And, and Maccabean, do you guys know what Maccabees is? Did we talk about this, Maccabees? Okay, between 
There's Genesis to the Italian prophet Malachi, right? And then, sorry, I always use that, Malachi. And then there's Matthew to Revelation, okay? In between Malachi and Matthew are 400 years, excellent, 400 years of complete silence. God did not speak. Okay. During that time, however, history still went on, extra biblical still went on, and there was a the Maccab- and, and in some Bibles that you might have grown up with, there was um, the Book of Maccabees, which is extra biblical. That means that it is not according to the canon of Scripture. It is not the inspired, inerrant Word of God, but it is what happened during that time. Okay, And so the Maccabean Wars went on during that time, and they're thinking that, well, Daniel wrote this to inspire the Christians to win the Maccabean Wars. Okay, And so that's why they were saying it couldn't possibly have been, been written in 530 B.C. It had to be written much, much later, to, later than that. All right? So the Aramaic language is equivalent to our English language today. Okay, It's, it's equivalent that that is like the common language. All right? And so when, when we look at the books of Daniel, right, I shared this with you before, you divide it into two halves. Chapter 1 through 6 is the historical and how we're going to learn about how to live through these times of um, how to be pure during persecution times. Okay, how to live a pure life like Daniel did. Okay, and then, and then chapter 7 to, to 12 is the apocalyptic time or the predictive Okay, the predictive time, the, the, the foretelling of what's going to come in the future. Okay, And then as I mentioned, chapter 1 is basically the introduction to all of Daniel. So, as we are, as we are walking through uh, Daniel, you will understand that, um, that it, it, Daniel is the pivotal book that bridges the Old Testament to the New Testament. Okay, because of the fact of all the prophecies, the most fulfilled prophecies in the Old Testament, and then when they speak about Daniel in the New Testament, it's the most talked about in the New Testament. Okay, and I love how you know God has led us to that to be to be in Daniel at this time and at this place. Okay, and so we continue to to walk forward, knowing that we know that. Um, that he is in control, he was in control then, and he is in control now. And that through Daniel, it, it demonstrates God's complete control and comprehension over time and over nations, right? That he rules over nations. Now, back up with me and just think about King Nebuchadnezzar, Okay. What do you think King Nebuchadnezzar thought when he got these gems of guys? What, what do you think he thought? Remember, he besieged Jerusalem and this, and now he, he gets the creme de la creme. What, what do you think is going through his head? Hit the jackpot, right? What else? What do you think? What? Maybe he thinks God will bless him because he, he has his people. Which God? The, the Lord will bless him. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. No, he worshiped Marduk. He worshipped small G God, Marduk. Okay, so he probably thought he was going to become more powerful. Yeah, get a head, a headbrush. Yes, he, he, he is, he is. Okay, yeah, Nebuchadnezzar is, as we will see, this character develop. Okay, he is so full of himself. Okay, and and so whatever helps build up himself. 
and then he has to go through all these rituals with all the different kinds of small g gods, okay, and all idol kind of stuff. That that I'm sure, like Doris said, I'm sure that he thinks that he is just becoming more and more and more and more powerful. And knowing, knowing that Daniel, because his name is the God who judges, okay, knowing that Daniel and all the rest of the three that were named according to Yahweh God, knowing that they came from the Lord, right? That it, uh, right with the capital L, okay. But now he has them. That there might be some tricks to the trade that he doesn't know. So he's sort of getting the best of both worlds, right? He's get he's getting the best of both worlds. He's thinking, oh well, they can help because they're this and they're that and they're doing everything. And and what 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 we see is then is that with his okay, he thinks that he's going to rule, doesn't he? He thinks that he's going to be more powerful. He thinks that this is who he is. And that's why he besieges all this. And this is why he gets them all. This and this. And he thinks he's in control, doesn't he? Okay? And then what happens? Who's always in control? Yahweh God. Yahweh God, always in control. Allowed Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be there and others, right? Allowed that, allowed it, allowed it, allowed it, allowed it, allowed him to be able to interpret dreams, allowed all this, allowed it. So who's in control? God is. Even though the scene looks like Nebuchadnezzar's in control. Okay, you guys, when it looks like power is, is being built up and 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 built up, guess what? One little word will fell them. Right? Just one little word will fell them. He's in control. And he allows it all. Right? Kind of like our world. Yep. Kind of like our world. Right? Kind of like our world. Where we think, hey, this is the way it is, and this is the power, and this, 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 and you build it up and build it up, and this big pride, and, and you know, man builds his own, and this and this, and the, almost like a, a another Tower of Babel kind of thing going on, right? And then, and then what, what does God just do? Oh, um, I'll just have you talk different languages. <laughs> now we can't communicate. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay, look to me. Look to me. See, he allows that so that they will look to him. He, they will look to him. They will look to him. You guys, at this point, Nebuchadnezzar thinks, this is the cat's meow. This is the best. Look at this. I got the guys. I got the this. I got this. This is great. Right? And then it starts to unfold, doesn't it? Then it will start to unfold. I mean, he thinks that you know he's going to be able to control them. That he's going to be able to you know get rid of them by throwing them even in the fire. Right? He thinks all of this, and then he can't, can't, he can't, he can't. And then it starts to unfold. It starts to unravel. See, it's not always as it seems, because God is really behind the scenes before you ever showed up. That's a big hallelujah. That's a great big hallelujah. And in Daniel, we are going to see it time and time and time again in ways that you can't ask, think, or imagine. And, and how Ephesians 3 says that he what does, what, uh, what's the word, the E, e word, ex, ex, 
Thank you. Exceedingly abundantly. Exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or think. According to his work in you. In you. That would be the Holy Spirit. Right now he lives in us. Then he'd come upon and he'd come off. But it always would be a work of God. Always. Whether he's in us working or whether at that time it would be a work of God. You guys... Be ready for the ride in Daniel. I mean, just just when Nebi thinks that this is absolutely the best, oh, tablecloth, little rug pulled out, right? Because God's in control, and does He do that because He's He He like He He hates Him? No, He does it because He what? He wants Him. He loves Him. It doesn't matter if we're in this generation, in the 21st generation, or if it's a 6th century B.C. generation. He created us in His image. He wants us to be obedient, faithful servants to Him so He can continue to give us the abundant life until we see Him face to face. And if you don't, He's going to have to work on you a little bit more. Right? And that's what He does. But the cool thing is, is we know that he is in control and he rules the nations. And so as we're reading, reading through Daniel and we're looking at the prophecy coming out up, you have to realize that Daniel cannot be, um, excuse me, the book of Revelation cannot be understood unless Daniel's with it. Okay? And vice versa. For those of you who knew me years ago, uh, we did Revelation. It took us two and a half years to get through Revelation. And so we did, remember Chris? And then we went back. To, Linda, you were there too, right? And then we went back to Daniel and this. And so it was two and a half years of just pour, pouring into Revelation. And now we're going to be in, in Daniel and then we'll pour into Revelation. Uh, and so we'll, we'll see that back and forth, okay? Because without the understanding of Daniel, a thorough understanding of Revelation is impossible. And does everyone know what Revelation is? The book of Revelation. It's not Revelations. Remember, it's Revelation. Because it's the revelation of whom? Jesus Christ. Right? If you if you turn to Revelation right now, we'll say revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay? And that was given to whom? John. John. The Apostle John. Right? And he was exiled to the island of what? Patmos. Not Maui. Okay? It was not Maui. This was a, a, not, a not a nice island. And as he was exiled there, the Lord what? Wonderfully, just what peel back a drapery, right, and allowed him to peek into the window of heaven. Ah! How great is that, right? And he was able to then talk about the vision that God had given him that there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, and the old earth will melt away, right? And behold, Lionel lay down with the lame, all that kind of stuff, right? Which will happen as well as Daniel happened in the sixth century BC, as well as we're here right now. That will happen. Because the Word of God will always stand. The flowers will fade, the grass will wither, but the Word of God, God's spoken Word, our Word, will live forever. Isn't that the greatest? So, as you're reading Daniel this week, I want you to read it. I want you to read it as a story. I want you to just read it. I want you to go through it. I don't want you to have to, you know, oh, what does this mean? Just read it. Read it as a story. Ask, ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten it to you and just read it. Write down little jot notes. Write down little things. Oh, you know what? Didn't quite understand, Lord. What does this mean? This and that. Or, you know, oh, this is incredible. Oh, I see what this means. Or, or boy, this really touched me. The fact that, you know, like, like for instance, the things that, that touched me in Daniel 1, when you, read, when you read Daniel 1 and you look at it and you go, oh, my goodness. 
Now, uh, in verse 9, now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. I mean, I mean, I just, I just basked in there. I just steeped in that. I just kept, I just steeped and steeped in that verse because I, I realized God initiates. God prepares. God makes the way. God does it. It's always Him. It's always Him. And it's me who has the unbelief. So, oh God, help my unbelief. You're, you're always doing it. Help my unbelief. Belief. Help me to see. Help me to see as you see. Right? And I, and I just steeped on that. And then and in verse uh, 15, uh, at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. Okay, well, why is that? Well, because, you know what, or, or that they had already resolved. Daniel had resolved in his mind, right, that he decided beforehand, so he wasn't going to be tempted. Here it was because he knew that they had been offered idol, idols, and that wasn't according to Yahweh God, and so he would not have anything to do with it. And God goes, that away. That away, that's my guy. That's it. Yep, yep. Already gone before you. Yep, that's right. That's it. That, that's it. And guess what? He could have easily said, "Well, you know, I'm in cap. I'm captive here and everything." And God, God will overlook this. I mean, after all, I'm not back where I was, and I have to do what these guys say. So I'll do that. He could have done that, couldn't he? He could have reasoned that way. He could have easily compromised. And here is what I'm going to end with you. End today, you guys. Here's the deal: the second you start rationalizing, you're going to go down. The second you start rationalizing, you're going to go down. Think about your kids. Think about you. Think about people of, you know, in your family, in your extended family. <clears throat> the second you start rationalizing, the second you go, well, you know, I mean, really, if, if it's just, the, it's just, and you know, God would need to understand it. You're going down. You're going down. And then what happens is he has to bring something along so that you come back into the circle of blessing because he loves you. Because he wants you to be changed. Because he doesn't want you to stay the same way you are, right? The second, and Daniel didn't rationalize for a second. And he walked forward by that incredible trust in God. And God had already gone before him, prepared the guy's heart, and said, look, here it is. And then Daniel wonderfully just shared, you know what? Okay, I understand that. I don't want you to die and have your head cut off. I'm with you. You know, I wouldn't want that either. I'm thinking, okay. So, why don't you just test us? For 10 days, see probation, because did he know he'd be fine in 10 days? Oh, absolutely he did. Just like by faith, Abraham knew that, you know, if he needed to kill Isaac on the altar because that's what God wanted, what would God do? He would raise him from the dead. He'd raise Isaac from the dead. It says in Hebrews 11, he said, uh, yeah, when I got there and I'm bringing the knife up and everything, and he's like, hey, Dad, you know, where's, where's the sacrifice? Where's the lamb? I see the, I see the wood, everything. Where's it? He's letting him bind. Remember, the guy's like 13, 14, and he's letting him bind him up. I mean, please. Really? And he's going to get, and what does he do? He, 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 the Lord calls out, stop. Because Abraham had already resolved that, you know what? I trust I trust in God, Yahweh God. He's never failed me. He's never going to fail me. He's in control. He told me that he would make the star, my, my, the generations, the children that I have, as much as the stars that shine in the sky. He told me that, and that I can bank on that. I can absolutely bank on that. And so if this is what he needs to see how much I love him and trust him, then he can raise Isaac from the dead. Oh, baby. You have that kind of faith? You have that kind of faith? That's what Isaac's, That's what Daniel's about. As you're reading Daniel, I want you to go and read Hebrews 11. Promise me read Hebrews 11 this week. It's the Hall of Faith chapter. It's by faith. 
Hebrews 11. It's by faith. And, and you will see how we see them as, oh, look at how great this is because we're on the hindsight of it. But in the middle of it, it's your faith that is the scene. By faith. Hebrews 11, 1 says what? Faith is certain of what you don't see, sure of what you hope for. Certain, sure. Certain, sure. And that's what it is. More than it is now. So, as we uh, embark on, on Daniel, uh, we're going to kick off into, um, into going into, you know, verse by verse kind of thing, like we always do with exo-Jesus. And we will continue to be in Daniel 1 and, and 2 next week. So, I want you, but I want you to read all of Daniel. It's only 12 chapters. But, you know, it gets exciting. It's like, it's like, like sort of a mystery kind of a book, right? And ask the Lord just to um, have you write down stuff that you want to steep in and other things that you're, you know, asking questions about and God will continue to take you through it. So <clears throat> I am thrilled you guys are here. Why don't we end in, in prayer. Lord Jesus we come to you and uh, there is nothing better than being in your word. There is nothing better than uh, just steeping in who you are. There is just nothing better than being changed before an awesome God. An awesome God. And so Lord we thank you. We thank you that we are are wanting to hear from you. We're thanking you that, that you are changing us. We're thanking you that Daniel is... Um, we are thanking you for Daniel. God, thank you for, for giving us the absolute truth and then the prophecy and then, and then what will happen, Lord. Thank you for giving us that incredible um, comfort to look forward to, Lord Jesus, as we walk through this um, fallen world stuff. And so, Lord, may the joy of the Lord be our strength, like, like Daniel was. It's just the joy of the Lord, Lord, that he knew that, that uh, everything was from you, everything is through you, everything is to you. And he kept on keeping on. Lord, wherever you have to go into our deep places, Lord Jesus, I ask that you do. If we haven't resolved to be like you and to trust you, God, you know what? Go there. Go there. Bring us to that point where we want nothing but to resolve that you are the way, that you are the truth, that you are the life. And so, Lord, if, if, if we tend to rationalize, Lord God, may we fall on our face. And, and may you bring that conviction to us, Lord God. And may we ask you uh, for forgiveness and that we would turn, we would repent, and we would run the exact opposite way into your arms, Lord God, as, as you continue to um, be in control. You are in control. You are over everything. Everything exists because you have allowed it. It's all for your glory, Lord. It's all your fingerprints, Jesus, over everything. May your fingerprints be seen in us, Lord, as we walk through this earth, Jesus. Make us a Daniel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen? Amen. Amen, amen? Amen. amen. Any questions? Yes, we heard. Did you say they opened up another cabin so there is room for more people or there isn't room for more people? Yes, they did. They did? They did. Okay.